Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Sarah Fenske. One of the hottest movies on Netflix in this past month has a backdrop that should be familiar to you. The movie is called The Ghost Who Walks, and it's not just set in St. Louis. Its director and many of its actors are local. Last year, it debuted at the St. Louis Filmmakers Showcase. The Ghost Who Walks has now risen to become one of the eight most watched movies on Netflix in the whole country. That's pretty good for a movie that costs less than $500,000 to make. And joining us to talk about it today is the movie's director, Cody Stokes. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. So you've gone from an indie film with no-name actors to a hit. What's it like to see this project just take off like this? Um, well, I mean, it's it's really rewarding, to be frank about it. Um, you know, everyone who was involved in the project has obviously been a believer and been very proud of it. Um, but it, it was quite surprising to kind of see it finally find an audience on Netflix. You know, we, we made the movie with the intention of, of course, getting the film seen and distributed. But to wake up one morning and to have found your film in the top 10 movies being watched in the North America, that that was truly surprising to us. Yeah, that's huge. What do you think is driving people choosing it when there are so many options on Netflix? I mean, half the time you can't even figure out what to watch. Um, I mean, that's hard to say. I mean, I obviously, I made it a certain way because I thought it would appeal to people as a, a piece of art and as a story. But I think you know, there's a lot of things about the film that hit on very familiar tropes uh, in, you know, especially the crime thriller genre, but it's also not a cookie cutter film. And that was done very intentionally. And I think that that's really what speaks to a lot of people. And then I think the film was made, of course, to be entertaining, but made from a very personal place. And I think that uh, on that emotional level, that seems to be really resonating as well with the audience, which is which is great as the filmmaker. Yeah, tell me a little bit about that personal place. Um, what what part of the story is personal? Well, I uh, I, I wrote the film after uh, my daughter was born, and I, I knew I wanted to make a film about fatherhood, and so it really kind of started there. I of course knew that there was probably you know next to no interest in some sort of personal little film about me being a dad. <laughs> um, so I, I I said, okay, how can I examine this idea? Um, but in an, in an exciting and entertaining way. And I think that, you know, you still have all these thrills and you still have a fun ride to take an audience on. But at the end of the day, there's there's this kernel at the core of everything that is really about love and hope and connection. And I think, especially in a film that is ultimately a crime drama, you know, to, to have that come through really, really resonates strongly because that's a world that tends to be void of some of those emotions. Hmm. So you have this action, you have this intensity, but at the same time, there's there's kind of a, a human soul to this movie. Yeah, and that was my intention. I think that, you know, there's, there's a lot of movies that are in this genre that you've seen before, and sometimes, uh, unfortunately, more often than not, they just kind of fall into gratuitousness, and they, 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 there's really no point. And while I, of course, grew up watching a lot of you know, Westerns and crime dramas and action movies and enjoying those to some degree as entertainment. I had no interest in just adding to the pile of 
of meaninglessness that you sometimes find in that genre. I knew if I wanted to do this and be entertaining, I still wanted to make sure that, that it kind of left something on the bone for people to take away and think about long after they've seen the film. Hmm. Well, if you're one of these people who's seen the film, um, we want to know, what did you think of The Ghost Who Walks? And did you enjoy all the St. Louis um, connections throughout this film? You can give us a call at 314-382-8255. That's 382-TALK. Or you can send us a tweet at STL on Air or email us at talk at stlpublicradio.org. Cody, I would also say something that also sets your film apart from other action-packed films, is you leave a lot unsaid when we first see Nolan being released from prison. We don't know much about the events that put them there in the first place. We, we're just kind of like immediately into his world. Were you worried that, I don't want to say dumber audiences or audiences that are more used to being coddled might want more exposition? Um, or, or did uh, you know that, that that was how you wanted to play it? I knew that was how I wanted to play it, though that was a a very common note from, I would say, more uh, mainstream, uh, you know, exhibition places like d- different places we talked to about distribution. That was commonly a threat of like, well, you know, to make this sellable, like we would need more flashbacks. We need more of this or that. And for me, that wasn't the point. Uh, I didn't really it didn't really matter what came before it. What mattered was the moment you were in. Mm-hmm. I think that also comes from I just, you know, grew up watching a lot of art house films and European films. And and there's a lot more room for that in those worlds. And I think what, again, what kind of makes this different is I've combined something that is very conventional in a way through genre filmmaking, but with a lot of the artistic elements that I myself as a filmmaker and as an artist have grown up admiring. So you kept getting those notes from people. Uh, Were you tempted at some point just to give in and, and give them, yeah, let's give them the backstory. Let's do the flashbacks. We'll hold people by the hand. Um, no, no, I wasn't. And I don't mean to say that as some sort of, you know, flag of like rebellion. What there was kind of a multitude of factors. One is at a certain point when you're making something, you realize, especially as a director, that everybody on earth has an opinion about what you should be doing. And what makes you a director is you have to make the ultimate decision for the film you're making that's in front of you. So there was that. And, you know, I've had a lot of experience. My day job is as a commercial director. So I, uh, kind of helming a ship, so to speak, is not something new to me. And, I, and I've learned that the hard way over the years. And having spent so much time getting to make this film, I knew that by the time it went into production, there was no more, you know, you, of course, listen to the people around you and you really cherish what they're bringing to the project. But an outside opinion um, doesn't doesn't hold a lot of water when you're just trying to make the best thing that you have. So there was that. And then there's also just this is a very low budget film and it was designed that way. And so when you start adding flashbacks and adding all these other things, that's just a lot more stuff to shoot that by the time we got to the edit, we didn't have anyway. Mm -hmm. So I had no interest in going back and filling that out. And you know, there that made the road a little harder going for sure. But I think ultimately now that the film's done, it it has a certain level of integrity that's paying off with the audiences we've found. Yeah, it has that integrity. And as you mentioned, again, that, you know, this low budget, it certainly doesn't look low budget. I think that, you know, this experience that you have, you knew how to get this looking like a big budget Hollywood movie. I actually want to play a clip um, for our listeners of this. There's a stunning scene. This is in the first half of the film because we don't want to give anything away. This is between the central character played by Garland Scott and the Madam played by the late Linda Kennedy. Let's take a moment to listen to this part of a a powerful scene from The Ghost Who Walks. I ended a man's life because you asked me to. 
I didn't ask anything else in return. But I'm asking now. And got nowhere else to go. When I was a little girl, my mother told me a story about a man from her village. He had everything. Friends, family, wife, child. Everything a man could want. But it wasn't enough. One day the chance came for him to leave the village. And he thought, maybe if I left I could find something better. Everyone warned him. Leave your home and you lose yourself. But he didn't listen. He left. Years went by and the village didn't hear anything. His wife and child grew old. Then finally one day the word came. The man had died in some faraway land. To his wife and child, this was a tragedy. Their hearts were broken. But for the man, it was a fate far worse than that of a lonely death. What they didn't know was he had tried a long time to get back home. So in death, he rose up and his ghost made the long journey back to the village. His heart was filled with joy. He went to the house where his wife and child were and he knocked. They didn't answer. And that's from The Ghost Who Walks. It's a scene featuring the film's star, Garland Scott, and the late Linda Kennedy. We're talking, of course, with the director, Cody Stokes. Now, Cody, Linda was a beloved St. Louis theater actress, and she died not long after the film debuted. What will you remember most about working with her? Just her poise. I mean, Linda's the kind of person I, I, you know, I knew of her for many years, but I didn't know her in depth before this film. And and even, you know, working with her was just for this one really kind of magical day. But, you know, it was, it was something where she came on set. I think I gave her maybe one note the whole time (laughs) and she just sat down and she was what was on the page and she brought it to life. And, you know, the film was made by a lot of very young people, very novice people. You know, a lot of her crew had a lot of passion, but maybe not a lot of experience. So to have someone like her come on set with all of her years of experience in theater and performing um, was just kind of breathtaking to be a part of. And I, and I think it was great. You know, a lot of times in independent film, you're so very rushed. Um, but this particular scene, we were able to shoot a full day with her mm-hmm. and and really just kind of see her do her thing and react to that. And so, I don't know, it was kind of a special gift. And I, you know, was really, really just struck uh, at her passing. But I feel very privileged that I got the chance to work with her 
Yeah, she's she's such a legend, and and she's so great in this, and and beyond, of course, the local talent here. There is so much of St. Louis that people can enjoy throughout the the course of this film. The local color is subtle. You're not playing this up as, oh, I'm back in St. Louis. But there are a lot of recognizable spots here. Um, I noticed the Central West End a few times, downtown. Where else did you film? Yeah, we kind of shot all over. I mean, geographically, anyone from St. Louis will will roll their eyes in terms of how some of the things connect, of course. But uh, it's some creative geography there. You're you're suddenly in one neighborhood and they run right into the next. Yeah. And I think for me, that was important because, again, I wanted to shoot a film in my hometown and I wanted to use this landscape that I grew up admiring for so many reasons. But I wanted to make it something that felt anywhere that felt kind of anywhere USA and, and really people could make it their own world, whatever location they're choosing to be. So I knew that being creative with geography was important. And then it also allowed me to really play up and exploit just the different visual qualities of the city. So you're right. We shot a lot downtown, central West end, South city, North city. Um, I think the furthest West we went was the, the Kirkwood Ledoux area where we shot the jewelry store scene. Um, you know, but it was something where it was kind of a lot of touchstones of places I've kind of visited over the years and fallen in love with certain looks for certain reasons. Hmm. And I wanted to put them together. I think people who, who are watching it locally are really intrigued by kind of trying to play guess where that location is. Um, Jacqueline says on Twitter that she, quote, really enjoyed the film. She adds, loved pointing out all the places. One of my favorites was near the beginning at his father's house and spotting the old map of the city on the wall. Um, overall, she says, it really does a good job portraying the beauty of our city. After watching it, I really wish more movies were filmed here because it made such a lovely setting. Um, you've described the St. Louis landscape as virtually untapped when it comes to movies. Is that, to some extent, a, a benefit? People aren't sick of seeing these same uh, streets again and again. Yeah, I think so. I mean, that's definitely been a reaction from a lot of people on a national level is they go, where is, where did you shoot this? They really are fascinated and curious and often surprised when I tell them. Um, but I think, yeah, I mean, you, you, you would be used to seeing a film like this set in New York or LA. And I think just that alone, setting it here, setting it in the middle of the country in a city that, you know, doesn't have things that are visually, familiar to a wide audience, um, that really made it special in its own way. It feels fresh. Well, Cody, now that you've had this success, um, will it be easier to get the next film greenlit to get people to trust your vision for that one? Um, I, You know, you could ask any filmmaker. I don't know that any film is ever necessarily easy to get, get greenlit, but uh, I, do, I do hope so to some degree. I mean, I'm working on a, a couple projects. I think the the real challenge is like anything, there, there's the filmmakers who are able to make these very small films with a limited uh, amount of money, and I was able to do one of those, but I know I definitely have a little bit um, bigger aspirations in terms of the films I'm making, and so I think the next project is going to take time just knowing that uh, we pulled a lot off with a little, uh, but that was also based off the blood, sweat, and tears of a vast army of people, and uh, you know that gets harder to do each time, and so I think that this is hopefully credentials to be able to have those conversations to to make a bigger film, but I think it's still going to still gonna take some time, but it's something I'm looking forward to doing. Well, we look forward to watching and seeing what you do next, and, and hopefully you'll be able to do it without quite so much blood and sweat. You'll have a little bit of Hollywood backing, maybe. So Well, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Well, Cody Stokes, thank you so much for joining us. 
Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. And for those of you who are intrigued, you can find The Ghost Who Walks on Netflix. We recommend this movie. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio. That's 90.7 KWMU. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, providing more than 41,000 jobs in the production of wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details at ChooseWood.com.